0: Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. When it comes to Raina Ashley, it's all about being your best self, something she knows all too well. Some background. Raina spent a good portion of her teenage years getting in and out of trouble while living in a tough neighborhood east of Las Vegas. But then makeup entered the picture, and with it a whole new approach that subsequently impacted her life. At 18, Raina learned all about eyelash extensions. Three years later, she became the founder and CEO of her own beauty education company that has generated more than $2 million in sales, has 18 locations around the States, and has taught more than 2,000 young women how to launch their own similar businesses. Ashley's sister-in-law, Desperate to escape from a dead-end job, became the first of thousands of women who started their own businesses after attending one of the three-day courses offered by Beauty Raina around the country, as well as globally. Raina's only too happy to share her successes, the power of her vision, the challenges she's faced, and those that she's overcome. So let's meet and get to know Raina Ashley. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today from Vegas.
1: Hi, Sandy. I'm glad to be here as well.
0: What's it like to live in Las Vegas? Something you've done most of your life, but it, it's just a very much of a natural act for you, Reina.
1: Living in Las Vegas is amazing. You can't really do nothing under the 21 age. <laughs> mm-hmm. But besides that, the weather, it is extremely hot over here. And it was just a place that spoke to you
0: because as I was reading about you, you had no desire to leave.
1: It is where I grew up with my family, my siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, though, with the many cities that I've explored, um, I could say that is different now. I would say that I would like to live in other locations now. What's next on your list? Um, I would definitely want to go for more of a tropical area.
0: I was going to say, do you want to go to Hawaii? <laughs> Mexico. Tulum oh, Mexico. Tulum Cancun, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Reyna. As I intimated in the introduction, you didn't have the most perfect background, huh? You got in trouble a lot. Exactly. Why?
1: Uh, The position that I was in when I was younger, I was not, how would you say? I was very influenced by the people around me. Being a younger, you know what? 14, 15 years old, very influenced by everybody around me. I was not in the greatest of areas. I was Mm -hmm. in a lower class area of Las Vegas where the people around you, you know, were just involved with so many different backgrounds. And it was very easy for me to get involved in all those lifestyles. Uh, My brother, he was also a huge influence for me as well. And he was deep into that type of lifestyle, So uh, growing up, that's just kind of like the life I was heading towards. Describe that life. My mom, she does not come from the greatest of backgrounds. She has eight kids. She was a single mom, raising them all, all of us by herself. Oh my goodness. Uh Uh-huh. Eight kids by herself. She had a regular nine-to-five job. Um, She would have to work extra hours to provide for all of us eight kids. On top of that, we were all completely age group from each other. So the difference between us is like eight years apart. Uh, So we're all different. She had, you know, teenagers, she had babies, toddlers Mm, to take care uh of. So it was very hectic for my mom when I was growing up. And, And then, like I said, on top of that, she had no family support and she also had no relationship support as well, partnership. So it was just all by herself. And me growing up, I did not want to bring my own troubles to my mom as the same with my brother as well so that's where we started to go on our own self so to say
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and in the area that we were in it was in like i said a lower class side of las vegas where a lot of drugs are involved in um one of the streets that we we're like near was a street known for like prostitution i was just gonna uh, ask that yeah mm-hmm. yes prostitution a lot of um pimping out and all that stuff was like kind of like the area that I was toward like living near Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of drugs a lot of that type of lifestyle going on around me when I was growing up Mm -hmm. Um, of course, you know my mom. She had the best interest for us, so she tried as much as she can to uh, keep us away from that lifestyle, not put us to it, made sure we went to school and all that stuff. But like I said, just having eight kids to raise all by herself, one of us was bound to slip out of her out oh, of control. Oh, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that and you? And that ended
1: up, yes, that ended up being me. Mm-hmm. That ended up being. Me, that is still my older brother to this day. Uh, but for the most part, my younger siblings, they are very, they're doing very well right now.
0: So of the eight kids, where were you? Were you the fifth, the third, the fourth?
1: I'm right in the middle. So I have three older and I have four younger.
0: And were you close with all of your siblings?
1: Yes. So I'm very close with my with my siblings. Uh, my two eldest siblings, they are my half-siblings. So growing up, I would say at the age of like 12, they went to go live with their father in a completely different state. So mm-hmm. we kind of separated growing up, but we're yep. still close to them as well.
0: hmm And so did you feel that you, hmm. that you had a voice that you were seen or were you marginalized because of A, where you lived and B, the fact that there were Seven others.
1: I never felt like my voice was not heard growing up. I think that was my issue, was that I wanted to make it known, you know? So I think that was actually my issue, was that I wanted too much attention growing Mm. up, Mm. wherever I could get it from, you know what I mean? So if it was with the the wrong neighbors I was hanging out with, I was like, okay. Where were you academically? Did school turn you on? So before what happened to me happened, um, school was not in my interest for starting off. Of course, as my mom, my parents, she was always enforcing us to go to school. So I was actually never bad in school. I got pretty decent grades uh, from middle school. I was getting, you know, Bs, Cs, you know, A's as well. I was very troubled in middle school. I was getting expelled. I was getting suspended. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. getting into fights. I was very bad in school, a bad kid, but academically wise, I was still putting in my homework. I was still getting good grades, but I was just a bad kid in school.
0: Yeah. it, It just didn't speak to you. Did Yeah, Yeah, and and I'm gathering that it must have been very difficult for you to find your place in that world that, A, made you feel comfortable, and B, was a good place to be. Yes. So you referenced when what happened to me happened to me. Why don't you explain that?
1: With my childhood growing up, I haven't had the best of childhoods, kind of like what we're just talking about right now um, with my family, my my siblings, my mom having a struggled life as well. While growing up, since I was more of the troubled kid, getting into a lot of trouble, fights, uh, suspensions in school, it was leading me into a wrong direction growing up. Mm -hmm. And since the area we were living in, it was very easily for me to get in that lifestyle. So I was very influenced by my neighbors, where at the age of 14 years old, I did get locked up in a juvenile hall. And when I got locked up in the juvenile hall, I was there for almost three years and three months, three years and three months. What were you accused of doing? Well, I was getting accused of robbery with attempted murder. Oh my God. It was nothing that I did, but since I was with a group of people that actually did it, and when we got stopped by the police, I was with them, they automatically assumed I was involved with everything else that happened. So, automatically, for I would say about a year, we were all going back and forth on how I was not involved in those previous cases prior to my arrival with those friends. So, for almost a year, We were fighting that with my lawyer against the judges and whatnot. Eventually, what ended up happening, uh, they did not charge me for the attempted murder. All I got charged was for the robbery. Mm -hmm. Like I said, growing up, I did not want to have any of that pressure on my mom, having to say, hey, mom, can you give me this? Hey, mom, can you buy me that? So I was always trying to be independent when I was younger. Uh, When I was growing up, I was like, you know what? I really need this. I really need that. And I'm only 13, 14 years old. How am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. And once again, I was easily influenced by the wrong people near me, which is how I ended up doing what I did back then. About the age of 14 is when it all happened. Um, I went to Juvenile Hall, and when I went to Juvenile Hall and they were charging me with such extreme charges, I was the first in Las Vegas Juvenile Hall to get charged as an adult. So since they charged me as an adult, this is when all games stopped for me in my head, and this is when things became serious now. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the juvenile system versus the adult system. Want to explain that in
0: terms of its impact on you?
1: Yes. So obviously juvenile hall versus actual adult jail, they are completely different from Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. Juvenile hall is very lenient. It's uh, friendly there. You know, we're all juveniles. We're all kids in there, so to say. So their ultimate goal is to try to change us and mold us before it becomes official. Officially, you know, right. you're going to be a rebound, a repeat, and all that stuff. Right. So juvenile hall is just kind of more like detention. <laughs> Adult jail is where more of you see the gruesome part of where you see it in movies, where you see, you know— Drugs, druggies, alcoholics, prostitutes, you know, any murderers. This is where all those people go in the adult jail. So me, when I first came in at the age of 14 years old, nothing changed for me. I was still in that lifestyle, mindset wise. I came in, I had a very bad attitude. A very bad attitude. They really call follow it. Like it Full yourself, a, huh? Like, like a stink attitude is what they call it. It was yeah. a very bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, the charges that were coming against me, I did not take any of it serious. This was, keep in mind, this was my first time ever being even in like a jail cell in juvenile. Who was the victim?
0: The alleged victim?
1: The, the victim was an older man. He was in his 60s. So what originally happened altogether, the story, there was a a couple of other people that I was with prior to the shooting. So what ended up happening was the friends that I was with, they was robbing the man during the robbery. This is when they pulled out the guns. The man tried fighting back. They shot him almost four times in the knee, in the hip, in the um the ribs. They shot him almost four times. and during the robbery and the shooting, I was not there. When it was actually all over, they left is when I came into the picture. I came, went in their car, I picked, they picked me up and all that stuff. And since it just happened, probably like an hour, two hours, it was fairly brand new in the location. It was still on the radar. And once the police actually stopped all of us together is when they tried getting me for the big charges that they actually committed. Um, So that was our longest fight that we had uh, against me. And my lawyer was trying to get that big charge dropped off of me. And once that charge was off of me is when I just had the robbery charge. Uh
0: Uh-huh. And you did time for that in a juvenile detention center?
1: So I did it in both. I did it in juvenile and I did go to adult prison. You did at
0: 14. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm.
1: So, so what happened was the judge, he ended up giving me three to 10 years. So I had to do a minimum of three years, a maximum of 10 years for the Mm -hmm. the robbery charge. Mm -hmm. Since I was in juvenile hall at the age of 14 through 16 is when I was in juvenile hall for those two years is when my lawyer was trying to fight for me to one, continue dropping my charges and keep me under like a juvenile range, so to say, because they certified me as an adult at 15 years old. So when they certified me as an adult, I was automatically accepted to get those big boy time frames, so to say. Yeah. The, the adult years, like 10 years, 15 years, I was automatically accepted do, to do that. Mm-hmm. So for the past two years, when I was in juvenile, my lawyer was trying to fight for me to get uncertified and drop me back down to a juvenile. And then also she was just trying to make me do majority of my time in juvenile hall as well. So that's why she was trying to prolong the case as much as she can after the two years from 14 through 16 years old is when my case was officially settled and they sent me to an adult prison. In this adult prison that they sent me to in Las Vegas, Nevada, they don't have an area where it's all juvenile. So if they were to send me to the, the prison in Las Vegas. I would actually be with all the adult ladies, of mm. you know everybody. I would I'd be with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want that for me. They didn't want you know sixteen year old being with all these crazy ladies, murderers, you know, in there. So what they ended up doing was they sent me to Arizona at the age of sixteen through seventeen years old to finish out my remaining time in the adult prison, but in Arizona, they had a section just for the juveniles.
0: And that's where you wrapped up your prison time?
1: Yes, was in Arizona. What
0: was that like for you to be was behind horrible. bars?
1: It was horrible. It was horrible.
0: I'm gathering that there was no real spokesperson or ally for you? Where is your mother in all of this? And were you matched up with social worker types or whatever, or were you just kind of thrown into the mix to figure out for yourself what was going to happen?
1: While I was in juvenile in prison? Yeah. So while I was in juvenile, juvenile, I felt like even though I did come in with a very, you know, poor attitude, the adult the correction officers there, they're very sympathetic with the juveniles there. So they're very sympathetic from you know our background, where we came from, our story. And like I said, their ultimate goal was to mold our brains before it can continue and get worse after right. that. So that was basically juvenile hall. It wasn't it wasn't pretty bad in there. When I was in juvenile hall from the age of 14 through 16 years old. I did not see my siblings at all, so I had zero contact with my siblings. Um, they are very stri- strict with that. The only person I had contact with was my mom. And during that phrase, my mom was going through a tremendous amount of stress with her own personal lifestyle and then also with me as well. So when my mom was coming to visit me, my mom was my biggest supporter while I was uh, incarcerated in the juvenile hall. She was my biggest supporter and she was there for me every single weekend. She would come visit me. So I only had one visit a week. Every single weekend, she was there for me, visiting me. She'd never let a visit go by where she did not come to huh. see me. Because mm-hmm. 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 she knew, for one, I did need that emotional support When you're locked up, you know, you're completely taken away from everything. So what I mean, cell phones, social media, uh, friends, family, you really see who's there for you and you really see who was not there for you. Yeah. Yeah. So while I was there, I was experiencing all of these emotions where I don't have nobody and my biggest supporter was my mom. And throughout those two-year ranges was an extreme change for me uh, in those two-year frame. Like I said, I had some correction officers in there that rooted for me, that was there for me, and they actually became mentors for me. Even when I got out of prison from Arizona, they still continue to help me after my journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course, I did have some officers in there that were negative Nancy's in there. They were very negative. They were very much, um, you're going to rebound. You're going to come back. This is not the last time we're going to see you. You did have some officers in there that did look down upon you mm-hmm. um, that did not support you just because they were over it, so to say. But then you did have some officers in there that 100% supported you and wanted the best for you. So during the two-year frame, I was in juvenile. Obviously, my mom was not there for me to help help me grow, help me mature and get more educated. It was just the correctional officers in there that were mentoring me from there on out. Um, So I am very grateful for the correctional officers that I had in there. They helped me with growing, with maturing, personal development. My education when I was in juvenile became my top priority as well.
0: So they really took an extra interest in you.
1: Yes. So after you asked that question, funny thing is, In Juvenile Hall, since all we had was free time, all of my time that I had, I spent it on school. So it was all online. I'd literally be on my laptop, typing in everything, getting A's on everything. And I graduated at the age of 16 years old from high school, just Mm -hmm. being in there. So you were ostensibly
0: one of their success stories. Exactly. Yes. What came next also changed your life, especially when we're focusing on beauty. How did that get fostered in jail that anybody kind of gave a shit about eyelash (laughs) extensions?
1: So funny, right? Uh, So funny thing is growing up, my mom, that has always been her aspiration as well. So growing up. It wasn't, you know, all negative. My mom was the best of moms, and she had her goals, her aspirations that she was also trying to meet. So my mom was actually the one who introduced the beauty lifestyle into my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an esthetician. She's a cosmetologist. She's tried everything out from eyelash extensions, body sculpting, hair cutting, hair styling, massaging. She's tried everything in the industry. And growing up. As as a girl myself, uh, you know, a little girl, just my mom coming and bringing all this equipment home, me and my siblings would just go and play in her products. We'd wax each other's armpits at like 11 Uh years old. We're waxing Uh each other's armpits. So just growing up, you know, she introduced that into my lifestyle. And it was very interesting. I was always, I always been into the beauty industry, whether it was makeup, hair, lashes, fashion. Uh, so while I was in juvenile hall, keeping like I just said, everything was taken away from you. Social media, friends, you're in a little tiny room. Literally, I would say a six by six jail cell, you're in a room by yourself and you have nothing to do but read a book or write in a journal. huh. So throughout those two years, I really developed myself and I really understood who I was, which I feel is a big key on just life in general, because nowadays, even adults, they just don't know who they are. They don't know what they like. They don't know what they want. And me at 15 years old, I already knew all of this stuff. I already knew what I like, what I don't like, what I want to do, what I don't want to do. Uh-huh. And like I said, when I was in there, all I had was a journal and I had a goal that I wanted to be reached. So every single day I would be writing in my journal what I was going to do when I was Out when I had my freedom. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And I was writing all these things to do all these plans and goals. And on top of that, I was also writing solutions. So let's say I couldn't do plan A, I was going to do plan B. If I can't do plan B, I'm going to do plan C. So I was very resilient when I was getting out. I was like, I'm not going to let anything stop me. Uh, Three years of my life was taken away and when I get out, I just need to go go full on forth with my goals and plans. Mm-hmm. So during those two-year frames is when I was actually speaking it into existence. I want to be in the beauty industry, whether that's lashes, makeup, a fashion designer. I want to do either A, B, or C. I'm going to you know meet all these people. I'm going to start to do this with my life. I'm going to have these people help me. So already in those two-year frames, I was writing down my plan.
0: And the fact that you had a plan is interesting, number one. And number two, that you were able to fulfill it, that mm-hmm. nobody kind of stood in your way, that you were on a path that you didn't fear off from.
1: So during my two-year frame in juvenile, that's when I was really just getting to know myself. That's when I was um, growing up, maturing, I would say that last year when I was in prison was what actually took me the hardest, and it really discouraged me a lot, is when I was in prison. So during that last year that I was locked up for, you would think it'd be easy, right? Just one more year to go. It was actually the very hardest for me. Since uh, they shipped me out to Arizona, my mom could no longer visit me anymore. On top of that, we had to pay for everything. So you're in an adult prison. The phone calls are not free. The food is not free. The clothes are not free. You had to pay for everything. Mm -hmm. My mom, once again, nothing changed with her. She still had a very low-income job, eight, seven kids to take care of. So it was very hard for her even to just send me money money to afford for my stuff in there. So I could rarely call my mom. I never saw my mom in that entire year. All I could do was just pray that my siblings um would write to me, you know? And on top of that entire year, I would say it was more emotionally stressful for me because for one, can't see my family, can't talk to them, and then I was also in prison with Three other ladies as well. So, three other juveniles. And you would think three other juveniles, no worries. It's nothing crazy. Like, you can handle it. What I mean, they were the worst ever people to ever be inside a room with. They were the worst three juveniles ever. Wow. Why? They just got locked up. So, they're just coming. In from that lifestyle for me i've already been locked up two years i'm already doing my time i already matured i already grown i'm not you know into the ways i was before yeah so these juveniles brand new fresh they just got you know incarcerated yesterday they're coming in gang you know they're gang banging you know they're repping it they're um drugs they're they're just in that mindset did they feel that by being with you that they would be with a veteran There was a girl where she wanted to be the the boss, so to say. She wanted to be the boss of like all four of us. And me, coming from, you know, the the mature mindset, I strictly told them, you know, I have one more year to go. I'm not here to play any games. I'm not here to, you know, do little juvenile stuff with you guys. I just want to do my time and get out. Yeah. And like surprise. Yeah. The girl that wanted to be the boss, she hated that I was not following her around. She hated that I would not listen to her. She hated that I was not basically, you know, just being a follower like the other girls were doing. I was being my own person, doing my own thing. Uh, Since she hated that, she got the two other girls to also hate me as well. So three against one. When I mean every single day, it was something else, yeah. and it was it was little kid stuff. They would, you know, let's say we haven't had dinner yet. When dinner would finally come, they would like throw my food on the floor, and I had nothing to eat until yeah. breakfast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm about to shower. They'd throw a whole junk load of trash, dirt in my shower, and I'm like, okay, great. How am I gonna shower? I gotta clean up this mess, or I, you know, can't they shower. Ever get right? caught. Never got in trouble for it, never got disciplined for it. And this was every single day, about three times a day, something like this was happening. So it was it was mentally stressful for me because one, I really wanted to result back into my old ways, fight them, cuss them out, you know, go crazy on them, stand my ground. But then I also had my eye on the bigger prize where sure. I can't, because if I do that, then I'm not eligible for parole, and I'm gonna have to do another year. Another, another two more years, another three more years. So I was basically getting, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say bullied in there, but I would say punked. I was getting punked in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're put through your paces.
1: And I would say during that one year prison time was mentally, I had to be mentally strong in there. I had to have a lot of self-discipline, the most I ever had. Mentally strong, a lot of self-discipline. And I just had to, you know, I just had to be strong in there emotionally. So I would say during that one year frame was the toughest for me is when, was what actually prepared me for what I got out, you know? Juvenile, it helped me build my goals. It helped me, you know, find out who I am, you know, a young lady turning to an adult, adult woman. Uh, that's what juvenile helped me for. Prison actually made me strong. Prison actually opened up my eyes to uh the tough people coming in and how I have to have a lot of self-discipline. I have to mm-hmm. be very resilient with whatever mm-hmm. comes to my way. During that one-year phrase, my dreams and my goals they were dimming. They were getting like knocked down. And I was getting very discouraged while being in there just because I didn't have no mental, you know, or I didn't have emotional support anymore. Mentally, I'm stressing out every single day, you know, something's going on where these little girls are attacking me. You know, I was stressing myself out because every single day I would experience five different emotions. You know, I'd wake up, blessed, you know, uh, grateful. I woke up this morning, happy to see the sun. Come 12 o'clock noon, you know, something would happen with the girls. I'd be extremely frustrated, extremely mad to the point where my face is like boiling red. I'm tearing up. After that extreme frustration, I'd start bawling out, crying in my bed. i would be extremely sad. i depressed. Oh my God, like I can't do nothing. And then after... That extreme depressed stage, then I'd be back on the resilient mode. I can't let this get to me. I can't let this get to me. Sure. So I'd experience every day five different emotions in one day, you know. But it was during that time
0: where so much happened to you, not the least of which was finding out about the beauty business, which probably was not on your front burner.
1: Yeah, during that, during that one-year stage, it was not. On the top of my mind, but during the two years I was a juvenile, that was always on my mind. And that was where I was creating my plan and I was creating my goals in that two-year frame. And what so was that, your
0: plan and what were your goals?
1: So I had many of them. When I was writing those plans and goals, I was always thinking of scenarios and situations that can interrupt my plan A. So if I cannot accomplish plan A, I'm going to do plan B. If I can't do plan right. B, I'm going to do plan C. I had many goals, whether it was to do the lashes, whether it was to do... uh, I also was really into skincare products. I really wanted to make organic skincare, scrubs, lotions. And I also really love the fashion industry. So clothing brand, bikini line, anything of the the above was on my plans. Um, If any of that I could not accomplish, my second plan was school. So since I graduated high school at 16 years old, automatically I enrolled in college. So throughout my one year stay in prison, I was doing college credits already and I got half of their associates while Mm -hmm. in prison. Mm -hmm. So if if any of those goals could not work out, then my next step was going to be college and really pursue and to do and getting a degree and whatnot. But in the meantime, you get turned on to and
0: exposed to eyelash extensions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I guess on some level intrigued you excited you or you just thought this is crazy
1: it intrigued me it intrigued me a lot so back in the day when i was uh younger the extensions were not even known at all it was just the strip-on lashes so when i was in juvenile hall what actually like caught my interest with lashes funny thing is i literally just remember this was my correctional officers the lady officers that i really um looked up to, they were always glam. They had their makeup done, their lashes. And I remember one time this one officer, she was uh, batting her eyes. I just got my lashes done. And I'm like, what do you mean you just got them done? She's like, oh, they're extensions. Like they're not coming off until like three weeks. And I was like, I was like, I was like um, amazed. I was like, no way. And so every two weeks when she would get a fill, I'm like, oh, like, you know, how long did you go this time? I'm like, how full did she go? What is that, a volume? Like, I was already intrigued by it just because of my my, my correctional officer coming in. Like, oh my God, like, look at my lashes. Like, I don't have to take them off. And I, that's what actually intrigued me and caught my interest was one of my officers when I was in juvenile hall.
0: It's that attraction. And you just would never think of these women where a beauty line meant something to them. You know, they're just kind of tough you think tough kind of dikey broads, which is a mm-hmm. very unfair stereotype. Uh-huh. But then on the other hand, you didn't know from this either. And so once you got out and after learning about these eyelash extensions, you knew that this was sort of bigger than you, that you had to take it somewhere. Yes.
1: Yes. So I knew, I knew it was bigger than what I expected when I got out. Uh So when what actually introduced me into like the lashes after I got out. I did try to do every single one of the plans that I told you right now. So as soon as I got out, I looked into doing the skincare line. I looked into doing the lashes and I also looked into fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skincare, when I was doing my research on the regulations that I needed to do and everything, it was a lot more complicated than I expected. And it wasn't as easy. One, two, three, one, two, three, right? And just getting out of prison, I had a time limit. I had no time to waste and I have no time to do this. I was very much on a time limit and I needed the fastest thing where I can easily learn it, a high income scale, and go from there. Mm-hmm. I looked into clothing as well. Clothing, it was pretty easy, pretty simple. It still is simple to do, but just researching into the manufacturers and just knowing that long 1 to 2 month time frame you're going to have to wait to see if you even like their product. I didn't have time for that as well. So the lashes, a lot of my friends were already getting the lashes done and When I actually decided to look into it, I literally just contacted the first lash artist I could find. And I said, excuse me, can you please tell me who you got certified by? They sent me her Instagram and it was all through social media. They sent me her Instagram. I'd contacted the girl who certified her. I asked if she could certify me with doing lashes, teach me the skill as well. And then from there, as soon as I learned the the application of the lashes, I just skyrocketed from there.
0: And so it was just a natural act for you then to become the founder and CEO of your own beauty education company?
1: Yes. So after I actually learned how to do the application, how to do the skill, since getting out, I've always been, like I said, on a a time limit. And I've always been I have to do this. I have to do that. I lost three years of my life. I cannot waste any more time and I have to make money, right? I have to make money. I cannot rely on my mom. I don't want to hassle her. And when she has other kids, she has to watch. Um, As soon as I learned how to do the application of lashes, the calculations already made sense to me. If I do one client, if I do five clients a day, charging them all $100 for a volume set, that's already $500 I just made in one day. If I do that for two days, that's $1,000. If I do that for four days, that's $2,000. So, automatically, when I was learning the application and I had my first client, my first uh, live model practice, I already did the calculations, and this is what motivated me to actually perfect my skill and then after I perfected my skill then that's when other sections of my brand came into play
0: this really took on a life of its own that you wound up teaching more than 2000 young women how to Mm -hmm. launch their own similar small businesses all about makeup correct yes here you are you go to jail you do your time you come out And your life takes on a complete 180. That Mm -hmm. just seemed all very natural to you and not anything to necessarily write home about? Um, No. Who is going to support you? Who is giving you seed money? How did they, Mm -hmm. why why should I take a chance on Raina?
1: Obviously, when I got out, it was not, the best life ever as well. Um, when I first got out, like officially they said, oh, you know, you're leaving today, pack your stuff up. And I home, obviously it was very emotional for me. I'm seeing my siblings. I'm seeing my mom. My mom's in tears, balling up. I'm in tears, balling up. And what pushed me to continue doing my business was, for one, I still had that very much determined mindset as soon as I got out. I was very determined. I was very motivated. I had a lot of goals and a lot of um, expectations that I needed to reach in my own self. So that was what's actually was like feeding the the seeds, so to say. I did have a couple of mentors when I got out, but they weren't the ones who was feeding that to me. It Mm -hmm. was all like me and my mindset and like the goals that I have to accomplish. I did have help. I had help with a lot of... um, my mentors, they did help me. My current boyfriend right now, he also supported me when I first got out. People provided seed money for you? Because you, yeah.
0: you didn't have any money, Raina, did you?
1: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I had $0 to my name. Who actually helped me out when I first got out was some of my old high school friends with clothes. So obviously from 14 to 18 years old, my, you know, 13, 14 clothes were not fitting me anymore. Right. I did not want to ask my mom, you know, to buy me a whole new wardrobe. So I, I very much humbled myself. And I asked my friends, hey, do you have any clothes that I could borrow? And sure enough, my friends gave me all like a bag load of clothes that I could use, that I could wear. And it was nothing crazy. It was just sweatpants, sweatshirts, which I was grateful for. Like, I just need something to wear to get on with my day. Um, as soon as I got out, I automatically had to look into going into getting a job or I had to look into going into school. When I got out, I was still on parole. That was my requirements. I had to get a job or I had to go to school. Um, being 18 years old and also having all these felonies under your name, it was very hard for me to get a regular job. What I mean, nobody wanted to hire me Nobody, nobody at the mall, not even Verizon, not even nobody wanted to hire me. The only place that wanted to hire me was Panda Express, Subway, Jack in the Box, McDonald's. Those those were the only places that were willing to hire me. Mm -hmm. And me being the position I was in, I accepted it. I was like, I have to just have a choice. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a choice. Yeah. After I realized while working there that it was not for me. At 18 years old, you know, I had to get a car. You have to get insurance. You have to get registration. You have to get a license. Right. I had no money to do this. I Subway. I worked at Subway prior to lashing. I was there for only three weeks before I quit. Literally. They gave me so many tasks to do and my paycheck ended up only being two, $300. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. My car note is, you know, way more than this. My, you know, insurance is $400 at 18 years old. You know what I mean? I'm I'm like, this is not working out. So after I quit the subway job, I automatically looked into something else. And since I couldn't get a job nowhere else besides fast food places, I resulted into more of the entrepreneur stuff, and this was what also pushed me into doing something more of my own business, starting my own uh, company, so to say. I looked into doing selling, so door by door selling products. My mom, she also did Avon, and she was very successful doing Avon. She was like a pro at that. She doesn't do it now, but back back then, when I first got out, in her closet, she just had a whole bunch of product in there, perfumes, makeup, clothing, all from back in the day Avon selling. So as soon as I realized, you know, hey, I can sell this for her. I got my mom's permission, emptied out her closet full of Avon stuff. And I literally had a crate. It was just a blue old crate. I'd put all the perfumes inside and my apartment that I was living in, I'd go knock on door by door. Hello, you know, my name is this. I'm selling Avon. Would you like to buy some perfume? It's only, you know, six dollars. $10 for this. Oh, do you want to get this as well? So already starting off, I was doing something entrepreneur and I was also developing that salesman uh, skill, so to say. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: And just from selling all of my mom's Avon products, I ended up making $1,000 within the three weeks that I got out, the three to four weeks that I got out. I already made $1,000 just from selling my mom's Avon products. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And then you knew... You were onto something.
1: Yes. Then I knew. Okay, if I keep doing this, I can save up enough money to invest it into another business, so to mm-hmm. say.
0: Which is what, in fact, you did.
1: Yes. So it wasn't lashes just yet. It wasn't lashes just yet. After I had enough money, that a thousand dollars, one of my mentors, she, I said that I can also go a route of selling. CBD products. I invested my money into one of those pyramid schemes type type of thing, and um, it was it was a good experience, learning experience. It was definitely a waste of my money, but it was a good learning experience. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, okay, you know what. This person wants me to join and recruit me into selling the products. I already sold my mom's Avon products. What's going to be so hard about this? So I... Uh, out of the $1,000 that I had, I invested $500 into that CBD business. And as soon as I invested my $500, I automatically regretted it just because it was a pyramid scheme, literally. The only way I can make money, it was not through selling the products, it was through recruiting other people. And I was like, wait, like, that's not what I signed up for, you right, know? Right. And whatever products I did sell, the person who recruited me got a huge, like 60% commission. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. So I just wasted $500. I was, so I was in, I was in a pickle, right? I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Right. What do I do? Then this is where another section of my life comes into play. This was in one of my plans that I had while I was in juvenile hall. So if I can't go to school, I can't get a regular job at the mall. I had either to work at Subway getting paid $300, you know, every two, three weeks. I really can't do that. Invested into another business, the CBD business. Obviously that's not working out as well. What am I going to do, right? So the only other option that I really had on mind was looking into the entertainment industry. So at 18 years old, uh, when I first got out, I did look into the entertainment industry and I actually did get a job there as one of the waitresses there. So I ended up doing that for about six months. I was in that industry. And yes, it was in a strip club. It was in a strip huh. club. Uh-huh. I was I was a waitress there. I was wearing, you know, bustier outfits. I was doing all that stuff. It was not a good look on me and it was not a good look on me after getting out. That's uh-huh, pretty much uh-huh. it, right? They that, soon as soon that Yeah. Yes. So, as soon as I'm out, you know, all of my mentors, they see me resulting into going into that lifestyle. Right. And, you know, obviously the girls who I was locked up with, that's how they all start from. They start from being a waitress. Then, oh, next thing you know, they see all the, the actual dancers making all this money. So now they wanna be a dancer. Now, after they're a dancer, Then, you know, this is where, you know, drugs come into play because, you know, you're getting harassed by all these men. After drugs come into play, next thing you know, you know, you start to get more lenient. And now this is where prostitution comes into play. And this is where the pimping out comes into play, so to say. Mm -hmm. So for me, just being a, a waitress there, everybody was looking down upon me. Everybody, all of my mentors, they completely left. They were like, I'm not going to support you if you're working there. My older brother, he freaked and flipped out on me. My dad was not supporting me anymore. The only person who was still rooting for me was my mom, literally. The only person who was still rooting for me and was still like, I trust you to do the right decision was my mom. And I explained to her, being in my position, you know, I'm not coming from a little girl mindset. Oh, I want to do it just to do it. I explained to her my reasoning. I tried to go to college, I missed my spring deadline and I had to wait till summer to be officially enrolled it was like two months. I was like, I missed going to college. I can't do that right now. I tried going to get a job. Nobody will hire me except for Subway, which Subway is not paying any of my expenses. And then lastly, I tried doing something more entrepreneur. I tried selling the CBD products, but I can't, right? It's a, it's a scam. So I'm like, I'm, I literally need to do something right now because I'm on a time limit and my goals need to be reached, right? Right, right. Uh, So I went into the entertainment industry. I was only there for about six months until I officially quit that job. So I was there for like six, seven months Mm -hmm. is when I officially quit that job. But throughout those seven months, it was definitely an experience being there. And it was definitely going back to my self-discipline that I had. So I had a lot of self-discipline being there and I had a lot of self-control because just being there and being in that environment, you can easily see how those ladies in there get to that level in life where, you know, they first start with the drugs and they start doing this. And they you can easily see how that comes into play because in that lifestyle, obviously it's only men coming to those places. And you're getting harassed all the time. Yeah. And when I first started at that job, I automatically did not like it because there was smoke everywhere. You come back smelling like smoke. Just the men in there, you just want to, it's just crazy in there, right? So automatically, as soon as I was in, as soon as I got hired to do that job, I was like, yes, I'm going to get in and I'm going to get out. I'm going to go in, I'm going to make the money that I need to make, and then I'm going to go out. And that's exactly what I did. And nobody believed that I was going to do that.
0: And so you were able to get this off the ground while you were still in jail. You get released. This company just Mm
1: -hmm. takes
0: over. And you've become kind of this international
1: phenom. But only with the focus of eyelash extensions Fast forward to 2022, my ultimate goal is just my eyelash extension business right now. Later on after my business, you know, extremely is, you know, Taking off multiple salons in multiple cities, then I'll focus on something else. But right now, my goal is just the eyelash extensions. We have a couple different departments with my company. So we have the trainings, we have in-person trainings, we have online courses. We also have the service. So I provide still the eyelash extension service to my clientele. My students that I have, I also help them provide the service to their clientele. Um, And then we also have products. We have supplies as well. It has taken off. When I was first starting off doing lashes, a lot of my students to this day, when I do tell them a little bits of my story, they don't even believe it. They're like, no way. How can you come from this to this? Obviously, now me in this position, my past is nowhere near me now. Who I was back then, what I used to do back then, it's nowhere near me. Yeah, so far removed. It's so far out of my life right now. When I even say a little bit like, oh yeah, like I got locked up. They never believe me. When I tell them how old I am at the age of 21, I have this, you know, successful eyelash extension business. They do not believe me. They're like, no way. And I tell them how. And I do tell them when I first started off doing lashes... I was on a time limit. So when I say I pushed myself to my limits, yeah. I would literally wake up at eight in the morning with my first client. And I would not go to sleep till like one in the morning, you know, with my last client. Wow. Wow. And I was pushing myself. And I have my clients back to back. They'd come in, they'd go, they come in, they go. My partner, my siblings, they can vouch for it. They can say, during those times, I was very, how would you say, hangry? I'd be grumpy. I didn't have time to eat because so I would just be in and out, in and out with my clients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's what you need to do to get where you want to be in a short amount of time. You have to put in the time and the effort. Are you surprised
0: that your life turned out the way it did? And it's only been three years.
1: When I have my moments where I'm like actually deeply thinking of everything, I do become very proud of myself because every everything that I told you from my past it's real and it really happened and it, it was emotionally hurtful and stressful so now coming to the day in my life now where all my journals of just plans and goals are actually met and actually accomplished I do have those moments where I am extremely proud of myself and I do have a lot of my students also ask me the question uh, I was actually on a call yesterday with one of my students and she was like you know what are you most proud of like it's inspiring and I told Her, what I'm most proud of is how I'm able to help my family out is what I'm most proud of. Like the money, it's nice. You know, the success, it's nice. But while I was in juvenile hall, my ultimate goal and my mom, she still doesn't know this. She still does not know this. But my ultimate goal was to help my mom out. Literally. My mom was my biggest supporter. She was there every weekend for me. She'd give me her last dime. Her story is insane. Like she's just been through so much stress where it's insane how she even got through that herself. A single mom, eight kids, like she got evicted, she lost two of her jobs. Like it was just bad for her. And while I was in jail, the only thing I can do was just say, I'm sorry, mom. Like I can't do nothing. So my ultimate goal was to just help my mom. She'd literally come into my into the juvenile hall days where she's just like bawling and i hate seeing my mom cry out of like sadness you know like it makes me sad so every of time course. she would cry i would start crying like i can't do nothing mom i'm so sorry like right. stop right. crying so my biggest accomplishment was how to this day my mom she's able to actually quit her job so when i got out she was doing newspapers and newspapers Is not good money. uh, You know, she was a newspaper lady. So she was making about $2,000 a month, just $2,000. What do you mean a
0: newspaper lady? Delivering newspapers? She
1: was a delivery newspaper lady, yes. Wow. She'd wake up at 12 in the morning. She'd wrap up the papers and she'd be out all night to like eight in the morning throwing the newspapers out of her car. Wow. Wow. And keep in mind... Growing up, she had her own goals, cosmetologist, aesthetician. To now see her actually doing newspapers, I was like, mom, like this is this cannot be like this. Oh, for so that sure. was like my ultimate goal. She was only making 2000 dollars a month. To this day now, my mom, she is an educator with my company. She handles her own trainings nationwide. On top of that, she's getting paid probably like three times more, four times more than what she was making. With the newspaper job. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like I said, she was only making like $2,000 back then. She barely had enough money to pay rent. She was stressing out. She works for me now, helping my company out. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, you know? It's amazing because now she's traveling. She's like, oh, yeah, I just took a vacation with my boyfriend to uh, Seattle for like two days. And I'm like, what? You're in Seattle? She's like, oh, yeah, I just went to go get my nails done. Yes. Oh, I just went to go get, you know, like something where she never used to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what, I like. that's what I like to see, and that's what I like to hear. And like I said, to this day, she still does not know. She was like my ultimate goal while I was like locked up.
0: So Beauty by Raina mm-hmm. has just gone off the charts.
1: Mm-hmm. I learned the application when I was 18. I'm 21 years old now. Three years ago, the eyelash extension was just picking up and just becoming known. And I took advantage of that. After I perfected my skill, I looked into the business and the marketing section for my company. Mm -hmm. And once this business aspect came into play is when everything came into play. Everything. I actually got the business license. We had a lawyer help out with that. I went to, you know, esthetician school. I got a license. I got all my regulations, all my requirements that I need to actually operate this business legally. Once again, social media comes into play. So my business is mainly based off social media social media is crazy nowadays and one of my ultimate goals with my students is teaching them how to have this you know high-end income skill learn it in about three days max and do what i did literally
0: what is the next big thing that you are setting your sights on
1: i still have many goals right now uh, me and my team with the BD right we are surpassing our goals for our education department, we're surpassing our goals. Um, one of our next main focuses is going to actually be having salons and storefronts in multiple cities. So right now we do train in 10 plus states mm-hmm. and we've trained in over 18 cities already nationwide from the West Coast to the East Coast all mm-hmm. the way. One of our ultimate goals is just to have the salons nationwide so my students where I'm training at can have my products available on hand and they can also work in my salon under my name with you know my girls helping mentoring them and whatnot.
0: So you- have this done in your salon as opposed to my going to my hair salon?
1: When I have my one-on-one clientele, I do offer uh, in-house service. Uh I do offer to travel to my clients, to lash them in their place, to travel to them. I know some of my students also offer this uh, service as well. Uh, But one of our goals, the storefronts, the salon is just under Beauty Rain and Name and have our girls working in that salon. How long do the lashes last? They can last up to like three weeks long until you'd need a touch up. Anything
0: special you want to share with us before we wind up this conversation that you've got up your sleeve?
1: I do hope this story does inspire, motivate whoever is listening to it. Uh, you can come from nothing, but if you really just put in the most, you put in your work, you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. And sure. I strongly believe that. Whatever you set your mind to, if you want it, you can get it. If you want it, you can get it.
0: You live that edict. It's not myth. You make it sound so natural and you just thought, yeah, I was in prison and I did this and then I did that. <laughs> what the fuck? It really is a big deal. You gotta, You got to acknowledge that, kiddo. Yeah. Prison notwithstanding, it all worked out in the end for you. And that's what's really so exciting. You should feel so
1: proud. Thank you, Sandy. Um, you can easily, you know, we do have an Instagram at Beauty Raina, Raina R-A-E-N-A. Right. We do also have a YouTube where we do uh, frequently blog our story as oh, well. Oh, great. Great. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that's terrific. Yes. Well, I'll keep that in mind as well. Well, Reina Ashley, thank you again so much for sharing your passion and your life. And it's been really fascinating. Thank you so much, Sandy. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.